Hey everybody, welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here, really excited about today's guest, Tim Matheson, the wonderful actor, director, you know his work from Animal House and Fletch in 1941, more recent years, an excellent turn on the West Wing as the vice president, and uh, even just a couple of years ago, got to play Ronald Reagan in the Nat Geo movie, Killing Reagan. Incredible career that reaches back to uh, Hanna-Barbera and its golden age in the 1960s. We talk about that. But before we get to all that, very funny story about uh, I was able to uh, book Tim. Uh, our mutual friend Joe Henderson, who is the showrunner of Lucifer on Fox, uh, one of my favorite shows. I've known Joe since our days on the uh, Brian Bendis message board. And uh, Joe uh, came on to promote his image comic book, Skyward, and uh, asked, hey, can I do any favors for you? You're helping me promote my comic book. And I noticed that Tim Matheson had been directing episodes of Lucifer. And I'm like, get me Tim Matheson. And he said, oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, are you kidding? Tim Matheson, since he's been a kid, this guy's been, uh, you know, involved in some great geek culture programming. He was the original Johnny Quest. He was the original Young Samson. He worked with Hollywood greats from Henry Fonda and Lucille Ball to Dick Van Dyke, Debbie Reynolds, Bob Hope, Jackie Gleason in his teenage years. And then, of course, an incredible career in Westerns, one of my favorite shows we briefly talk about at The Quest, a great show that he did with Kurt Russell that Encore Western has run occasionally on their channel, but he was also on Bonanza and uh, other great uh, television Westerns. And then, uh, of course, came the success with Animal House and a whole new turn for him doing comedy. But uh, his comedy beginnings really started sketch comedy with the original group of The Groundlings. We talk a bit about that. And uh, we try to hit all the hits. Uh, I'm slapping myself because I mentioned Fletch, and I forgot to talk about Fletch in our interview. You know, but uh, no, really great conversation. And Tim could not be more gracious with his time and his memories on some of his uh, great moments, both acting and directing. And I'm really happy to share it with you today. Great hunk about the West Wing. Uh, also, uh, he was great on Burn Notice. You might remember he had a recurring role on Burn Notice. That was a really fun, meaty role. So, uh, great time talking to Tim Matheson. We just recorded it yesterday on today's Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much for your support, League, uh, through Patreon. Things are going great, and uh, it's partially because uh, you're able to help uh, fund Word Balloon and produce it for me and uh, give me the means to get to conventions and uh, put out some uh, really interesting stuff, and also even repairing the laptop. I mean, it's those kinds of things that you guys help with your subscriptions to Word Balloon. If you'd like to subscribe to Word Balloon, you don't have to. Word Balloon is free. It'll always be free. But if you'd like to help the cause, you can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon or wordballoon.com and click on the Patreon ad. Thank you very much for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. You know, we're talking to Tim about his years at Hanna-Barbera and uh, working on such shows as uh, Johnny Quest and Space Ghost and Young Samson. Of course, uh, we should mention that uh, there was just a great series that just wrapped up a year or so ago uh, with uh, Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner, Future Quest, which was a great uh, team-up of all the action heroes of Hanna-Barbera, led by Johnny Quest and Bandit and uh, Race and Dr. Quest. Uh, two volumes of that. And uh, they're available at 42% off each volume at InStockTrades.com. Just $9.85 for Future Quest. What a great series. You can also get things like uh, the uh, coming Action Comics 1000, 
uh, 80 Years of Superman, a, a great volume that uh, has been put out. This collection is 384 pages and se- features some of the best work from uh, all the Superman creators, going right back to the beginning with Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster, and Action Comics number 1, 80 Years of Superman, the deluxe edition, 50% off at InStockTrades.com, just $14.99. You can also get a, a great story from uh, John Byrne, actually several great stories. Uh, Superman the Exile and other stories Omnibus, featuring uh, great work from Jerry Ordway, Dan Jurgens, Roger Stern, Kerry Gamel. Tremendous stuff, man. And, you know, of course, guys like Dan Jurgens still doing wonderful work on Superman as he's wrapping up his run and handing things over to Brian Bendis. But this is a great collection. Uh, it's 50% off for this omnibus, just $62.50. You can also get things like uh, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, Volume 2. That's Most Wanted. Chip Zdarsky, Adam Kubert, what a great series this has been and continues to be. Uh, it's 42% off, $10.43. You can get things like The Avengers Omnibus, Volume 3, with a wonderful uh, Sal Buscema uh, cover and great art in, inside. Roy Thomas doing the writing. Uh, this is a hell of a run. 760 pages, including the debut of Red Wolf, the important Native American character, uh, when he made his first debut. 760 pages, 42% off, just $58 at in-stock trades. Or you can go a little bit uh, more modern and uh, get things like Family Trade, Trade Paperback Volume 1, Justin Jordan doing the writing, and Morgan Beam doing the interior art. It collects the first arc, and it's 42% off, $9.85. All waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Check it out. More great books. We'll talk about those at the back of the show. But uh, do yourself a favor and check it out now, InStockTrades.com. All right, without further ado, let's uh, talk to Tim Matheson about his incredible career. And uh, we're going way back to his teenage years. Uh, he, he started as a, as a child, but I want to get right to the uh, Hanna-Barbera years as we start things off. But a great talk that I just did uh, yesterday. Tim Matheson on today's Word Balloon. Tim Matheson, really excited to have you on Word Balloon. Thanks a lot for doing this. Oh, John, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. Now, I want to go way back, and you'll forgive me, but I was so thrilled to discover that you're the original Johnny Quest. Yes, yes. It was, you know, I was... It was one of those weird things. I was um, a kid actor. I started when I was 12, and all of a sudden at 15, you know, and you get all these auditions. And I went over to Hanna-Barbera and, and did a voice audition for this thing one day. Never heard anything. Months go by, and you just sort of forget. I say, ah, oh, it didn't work out. And then I got a call that said, hey, you're starting to do this series for Hanna-Barbera. Go on and record. And it was like, oh, my God. You know, and it's like, what happened? So I was 15, and then I... I do remember I must have turned 16 during the time we did Johnny Quest because I think we did 22, 24 episodes and uh, and I would drive myself. So I, I you know, I first oh, got great. my car. Yeah, so I could drive there. And, but, <laughs> nice, you know, nice after school job, man. Yeah, I, I gave up my paper route, you know. <laughs> but what was great about it was I had to go for at least three hours plus the recording session because I had to go to school and you had – as a student, as a kid, you had a teacher there and you had to go do your homework there or your school, you know, uh, work there. Mm -hmm. And they vetted you and made sure you did it. And then I would take it back to my regular school and show them what I did. And I would go watch them do the Flintstones and the Jetsons and Rough and Ready or all the different shows they did at that time. Insane. 
Oh my God. And some of the best actors in the world did voices. You know, that's, they're just phenomenal. Mel Blanc, Dawes Butler, June Foray and, and Don Messick and these guys. And they, they had been, you know, like radio actors and and were just fabulous, fabulous actors. And I learned a lot from them. That's really fantastic. And which came first, Johnny Quest or Space Ghost? Because I know you were Jason Space Ghost, one of his sidekicks. Johnny Quest came first, and then we did that series. I don't. I think it, then it didn't get picked up, and then I did, I believe, Space Ghost. And then I did Young Samson with Mel Blanc. <laughs> I did, you know, and and I did like a bunch of different things for Hanna Barbera. And you know, Joe Barbera was amazing because he was the director, supervised the writers. And he ran the sort of creative side of it, and, mm-hmm. and Bill Hanna was like the more the back back room guy. He just you know he was very he stayed away. He was around a little bit, but not he, he was taking care of the other kind of the business. But Joe actually allowed me to write pitch ideas for uh, the cart. I think it was um, for Young Samson or wow. Sinbad Junior. Yeah, and yeah. I wrote a script. You know, I, I, so I, he, he bought a couple of my ideas and he, he gave me a script to write and, and, you know, helped me, taught me how to do that. And it was, you know, he was, he was a mentor and a fascinating guy. I was just a kid. That's really amazing. And I have seen a really great uh, archive of American television, Joe Barbera interview, pretty late in his life. But what a character. I mean, oh. you could tell even then, really, uh, a showman and, and a great promoter of his work. But unbelievable stories. And I know he goes back to the Fleischer you know, Popeye years and stuff in the black and white animation years. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and, you know, um, you know, Tom and Jerry and, you know, it was just, what a great story background he had and, (laughs) and what a good partner that Bill Hanna was to him and he to to Bill because they just complimented each other and they didn't try and duplicate. There was no ego involved and Bill just let him go and, and, you know, and took care of the backstage stuff. and, And Joe was, you know, a showman. Were you um, were you guys doing it all and women all together, or were you doing your parts separately when you would re- record the voice tracks? It was old school. We'd oh, all that's great. There was script in hand or up on you know like a music uh, stand, and, mm-hmm. and you you had your script there, and you you know we would we would rehearse it once, seated at a table, read it through, and then we'd get up and do it. You know, and it was very intimidating to be with these guys and and ladies because. You know, Mel Brooks or Daz Butler or, or Don Messick, they could play two characters in the same scene <laughs> talking to each other. I could barely get my own words out just talking like a, like a real kid, you know. It was and, and intimidating because they just get up and do it, you know. And I was sort of a studious method type actor. And this is just the opposite of that, except it's got to be real, you know. And these guys could do that and and they because they came out of radio and they could just manufacture a real live performance and it it took me a little bit of time to figure out how to do that and not force it not be pushed not be fake and yet be big enough because the thing about cartoons if you're not over bigger than life it sounds flat you know so 
there's a real fine line you walk to, to try and get it in the zone. And it took me a while to figure that out. But, um, you know, it was, <laughs> I was, it was a great school, great lessons. I know in, in more recent years you got to work with, and I appreciate this moment talking about your animation stuff, but uh, you got to work with Andrea Romano, and, I, and I've gotten to interview her. Am I yeah. correct on, like, Batman and maybe Justice yeah. League, things like that? Because she, like, runs, you know, the, the Warner Brothers thing, and, and um, it, you know, it's great. It's, it's so much fun every time you get to do those things, and I don't get to do it enough <laughs> as much as I'd like because it's so much fun, and the people you work with, you know, the guy's doing the dog, the guy's doing the snake, the guy, you know, and, and they're making and, and they can leap back and forth in these voices. And I don't know how they remember the exact voice, the exact accent. It's such a skill and amazing talent. They're just they're just awesome. That's that's amazing. I think the first thing I saw of yours was again, and you got to work with some. Hollywood legends, uh, Henry Fonda and Lucille Ball, yours, mine, and ours. And for the listeners who don't know the movie, kind of a pre-Brady Bunch idea of this gigantic, you know, two widowers, that a widow and a widower, they get together and they both have large families and all of a sudden it's like 12 kids or something like that, right? 17, I believe. Seven, but I, 17, Jesus. I think it was, it was, yeah, and the Beardsley family up in Carmel, I think, or up in Monterey. And, Is that and a true story? Oh, yeah, it's a true story. And, I had no and, idea. Okay. Yeah, the bunch ripped it off. I mean, you know, I think it was we did Yours, Mine, and Ours whenever we did it, 67, 68, I mm-hmm. guess. And and um, then, or was it then, or 60, yeah, 67, I believe. And then the Brady Bunch came out the next year on TV, yeah. and they shrunk the family down <laughs> so it, you, know, you could be more affordable. But, you know, it was a good show. And, and I would never knock the Brady Bunch because I I did the, a very Brady sequel, which was kind of fun. Absolutely, you did, and you were hilarious in that. Matt Carroll's first <laughs> husband. <laughs> so wacky, so crazy. The straight man to that, yeah. that strange oh family, and that was fantastic. Well, of course, the scene when you're uh, eating mushrooms and you're tripping up watching, you know, thinking well, about the Brady's. the Brady's. Oh my God! It, you know, it was just <laughs> one of the funnest, silliest jobs I ever had. But yeah, working with Hank and Lucy. I mean, Henry Fonda was the coolest. Just chill guy. Sat never left the set. He always sat on the set. He just wow. and he he did like needlepoint or needlework, something that cool. the guys in Hollywood were doing at the time. Rosie Greer and Henry would they and they were just something. I guess so. He didn't smoke. I think he had just quit smoking. So he needed something to do with his hands. So he did this. Stayed on the set the whole time. Lucy, you know, it was her studio. It was her script. It was her company. And so and she was she was a you know, one of the only women in Hollywood to run a, a, an enterprise, a company like like Desi Lu, and uh, you know this movie, and so she get she was wound pretty tight. You know, she was very exacting in her her work habits and her comedy, and didn't have a lot of patience. Let's okay. say sometimes. And Henry was always just like, "Okay, Lucy, we're that's all right, Lucy. We'll do it. Don't worry. We're gonna." You know, he was very calming and. and and, and I just – it was like the first real movie – I mean I'd worked with Dick Van Dyke and Debbie Reynolds the year before. Um, okay. So I'd seen up close movie stardom. But, but but here's Henry who's been around since water, you know. And he <laughs> he gets up on this one speech and I kept thinking like what do you do with this speech? If I was him and I had to get up and do this speech to my kids as I'm leaving the house, what would you – I couldn't figure out what he was going to do. And he just got up. And it was so simple and so honest. And he was just Henry Fonda. And it was like, oh, my God, that's a movie star. He's just so wonderful. And it made it seem so simple. And it was 
it was a real lesson for me. You know, he was very, very professional, always on time, always knew his material, always prepared well. So he would just get up and deliver and it was like, wow. Okay. There's lesson number one, do your homework, you know? That's awesome, man. Well, and I'm looking up, and, and I know I've seen uh, – or actually, no, I, I thought it was How to Commit Marriage, but that's the movie you did with Bob Hope and Jackie Gleason and Jane Wyman. That's a stinker. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, seriously, man, you know how it was back in uh, weeknight, late-night TV. These things would pop up and everything. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> well, I knew when I, I got that part – I had been in the Marine Corps right after years, mine, and hours. I went in the Marine Corps Reserves. Okay. And I went away. Com, you know, I went away to boot camp and combat training, and then I was shipped back to L.A. for my reserve duty. And um, then I got into the Hope Gleason movie. And when I saw the, you know, I got the original script, and it was like, great, it's great. And then I get this rewrite that's got a golf game between Gleason and Hope and a chimpanzee. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> it was, it was, that was bad. Yeah. I'm interested. You you worked with all these uh, interesting like '60s directors, Norman Panama, and granted, it wasn't that uh, great of a movie, but he's you know I know he's a hope guy and was certainly yeah. involved with a lot of hope films and everything. Yeah, it, you know, to get to for me, I'll tell you, the the great thing I had going for me when I was a kid was I got exposed to all these people, Hope and Gleason and, and Debbie Reynolds and Van Dyke and. Lucy and Henry Fonda Van Johnson. Yes. They'd most of them come from vaudeville, you know, so there was a work ethic and a toughness about them. And like it's doing a scene with Lucy with 12 kids making breakfast and <laughs> Lucy stopped, you know, toast popping up the prop guy pushing the button toast shoots up in the air. Lucy grabs it. And it, it's, it was one of those things. And Lucy just looked around at everybody and just said, always rehearse with your props. And, <laughs> And it was like a voice from God telling, giving you an acting lesson. And it was, you know, the comedy doesn't just happen by accident. This is something that you need to craft and hone. And you got to know where the jokes are and where the physical gag is and how to make it happen and how to do it 40 times because that's how many times you do it in a scene. And so you don't hurt yourself. So um, and then, I, you know, a dream thing was working with uh, Jackie Gleason um, who was just, I was a huge Gleason fan. He was doing the show down in Miami Beach at the yeah, time. Yeah. Honeymoons, of course, you know. Yes. But I just loved working with him. And I, my fondest memory was one day I'm in a scene with Jackie, and he played my father and I was his son. And there, there was a young actress, my girlfriend, who was opposite me, and she'd never done anything. And then this band was a bunch of musicians who'd never been in a you know acted it before and so there's all of us in a scene and jackie looked at me quietly and he said kid we're the only ones here know what we're doing let's get this thing done <laughs> i was like yeah jackie okay you got it you know and it was like what an honor i mean it was like <laughs> but what a champ he was i mean gave everyone on the crew a watch when when the show was finished oh, wow. every member of the crew and cast he gave a watch, probably inscribed. Mine was inscribed to Tim from Jackie. I mean, what a class act, you know? I mean, it, it's just the way you did it the right way, and that was the way things were done. That's fantastic, man. And, yeah, Divorced American Style was the Van Dyke and uh, Debbie movie. Yes, yeah. Very cool, 67. I, uh, Norm, Norman Lear? Norman Lear and Bud Yorkin, yeah. That's Wow, wow. again, that's the thing, man. I mean, on the surface, we look at your roles and, and the things you've been involved with, 
And immediately people think of Animal House, and we'll certainly get to Animal House. But that's the thing. It was really cool to see and look at the IMDb and remember. And like I said, I do remember as a kid watching Yours, Mine, and Ours, and probably Divorce American style, too. And, you know, obviously you had maybe less of a prominent role because it really was yeah. more about Van Dyke and Debbie and everything. But, yeah, we, uh, we didn't have much to do. And but it, it, side note, the trivia, please. Uh, the guy, Gary Getzman, who played my brother in both Divorce American style in the next year and Yours, Mine, and Ours – is Tom Hanks's partner, producing partner, and you know is has been Tom's partner for twenty years, yeah. and is huge Hollywood you know uh, executive and and wonderful guy, and still a good friend of mine, and and I I see him all the time, and and um, my oldest friend in in the entertainment business, and and a great guy, and but he and he hasn't changed. He was always together and 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 the coolest guy in the group then and he still is you know and so it's like it's very funny wow and you know yeah beyond uh the movies that he made with hanks he's doing those cnn series uh the 60s 70s 80s and 90s obviously too yeah so. they they're just doing i think 1968 they're doing a special four hour on the year 1968 and uh and they asked me to participate and talk about no i'm sorry uh, um not 68 uh, um must be well uh, what, what, it must be oh, oh no, it's the two thousands. I'm in the two thousands. Oh, okay. They are doing the sixty eight, but I did the two thousands because they wanted to talk to me about the West Wing. Oh, so, very cool. Yeah, so it's sure. the two thousands. Yeah, I'm getting them mixed up, but they. Um, it, it was so much fun to to you know to see this other arm of the Playtone, Tom and, and Gary's company, and and how you know Gary expands that and keeps it moving out. Tom does what he does in acting, and he's a, also a good partner to Gary and producer and partner, and sure. and they do these so many things. You know, uh, um, Mama Mia. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's just they don't stop. No, that's great, and no, those series are fantastic because. You know, um, and especially now in this post-internet world where every moment is being, you know, recorded, including this conversation. But, like, yeah. it seems like there are there are patches of the 20th century that – and, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I was born in 64. So, I mean, I uh, – you know, yeah, it just seems like younger people, they don't get the full story of the 20th century the way – you know, and again, because there's, I think, some chunks missing. Not everything was filmed and taped, and it's – I think these shows are important to kind of – remind the younger generation about how interesting these decades were and, and the, you know, obviously significant moments of, of each of these decades. Well, I think it's true because, you know, you, you see these blurbs every now and then about, gee, people don't know what Watergate was. They right. don't know what this was. They don't know, you know, what, what was Vietnam, what, you know, and a variety of things. And it's, you know, I mean, I played Reagan last year and yes. uh, killed Reagan and, a lot of people, young people, don't know who and what Ronald Reagan was or sure. did. And, uh, you know, not being a political affiliate of, you know, his party, I still knew what he was and did what he did. And, you know, and I love doing research anyway. So, I mean, whether you subscribe to that belief, those beliefs or not, you still, I think it's in, incumbent upon us as citizens and as just people to figure out what happened and incorporate that knowledge into what we think should happen today. Absolutely. And, yeah, and try and avoid the mistakes of the past. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, and, again, Killing Reagan, another great uh, project that you did with Cynthia Nixon as Nancy. Uh, tremendous Nachio production. Absolutely, yeah. man. Well Thank done. You. Yeah, it was a great challenge. So Animal House. We got to obviously talk about Animal House. Eric Stratton, damn glad to meet you. 
Yeah, damn glad to meet you. <laughs> um, again, <laughs> surrounded by incredibly talented people in front of the camera and, of course, behind the camera. What a great production. Well, yeah. And, you know, it was my first comedy. I had been doing, you know, I, I there was these different sort of eras of my career. There was the, the kid acting thing where I was like the, the third kid through the door. You know, I was never quite the lead of a show or anything, you know. And then my cartoon period. And then I went over to Universal and did The Virginian for a year. Then I did Bonanza for a year. And then I did wow. the, the Quest for a year. Which, so yes. there was a whole Western period that I did. And then when I came out of that, um, I killed all three shows. So, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now that's not fair because especially I, the quest man that was right. with kurt russell when you guys were babies i watched that show and i <laughs> forgive me i forgot you were on bonanza because i was a bonanza watcher you probably didn't watch the quest for long because it was up against charlie's angels and i bet you just said <laughs> yeah bang bang cowboys cowboys wait a minute there's farah okay that's a good so point. <laughs> um i i can i get that that's why we only lasted about 14 episodes. Yeah, man, but it but was great. <laughs> coming out of that, I, you know, I played these straight kind of boy next door parts, and I was like, oh, God, they were horrifying. I just <laughs> was so sick of it. So I started taking improv classes and learning how to do improv with the Groundlings here in Los Angeles. And fortunately, I landed the job to get into Animal House, which I <clears> – <throat> the best script I'd ever read. I mean, the best comedy, craziest, wildest thing. I'd nothing like, I'd seen anything like that before. So I just had to be in it. And I just was going to die trying, you know, unfortunately I got the part. And, um, it just was one of those magic things where the wonderful cast, John Landis did a great job casting and he wanted real actors around Belushi. He didn't want Chevy and Danny Aykroyd and, uh, you know, and Harold Ramis, God bless him. He didn't want the Saturday Night Live version of this movie. He wanted it to be more based in reality. And, you know, uh, Elmer Bernstein wrote the score. So it was like, it, you know, he, it was a very real kind of movie and shot in a very naturalistic manner. It wasn't overlit like most comedies. Mm -hmm. So Landis had a real vision for that. And I think and it just ultimately paid off because it just resonated with the audience and still does. I mean, oh, yeah. it's sort of a primer for every freshman who goes to college to watch this movie and see what's, what they've got in store for them. Comedy 101, no question. And also the great, uh, I think the way that uh, Landis captured what Doug Kenny and those guys did with that original Lampoon magazine yearbook. Yeah, that's a, you guys were you guys were this '50s yearbook come to life, and especially you, man. I mean, you're that prom queen look or prom king, excuse me, looking you know guy that absolutely big man on campus and stuff, and and awesome that you know you look great in the yearbook picture, but meanwhile, you know, yeah, you're flushing underwear down the you know toilet, and exp yeah. you know, the toilets are exploding, the under the underwear's in the trees. John uh, John Vernon, right? Wasn't or Dean John Dean Vernon? Am I right, oh. Dean Vernon? Yeah, John Vernon is Dean Wormer, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And what for me, it was, it was like Otter, Eric Stratton, the character I played, should have been an Omega. You know, yes. he should have been in the other one. <laughs> but you know what? The, 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 to me, the core principle of this movie was it was about people who were generous and loving and, and accepting and people who were elitist, uh, exclusive assholes. Yes. And that was <laughs> what fraternities were, you know, and this yeah. was a fraternity – that had to take anybody in, anybody who came and wanted to get in, you're in, you know? So it was, <laughs> it, it was that kind of thing. And, um, it, it, it you know, it was really a, a lot about 
you know, rich, the, the haves and the have-nots and, and all that. And, and so there was a very deep undercurrent underneath it with like all Lampoon stuff. It was satire and it was comedy, but there was really, there was strength and truth underneath it all, always. And strong actors, like you said, man, yourself and, you know, young Kevin Bacon and Tom Hulse <laughs> before Amadeus and, uh, man, Peter Riegert, I'm such a fan of everything he does since then. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, God, local boy, and certainly his turn on The Sopranos and things like that. And I mean, that's, and Bruce McGill. I mean, mm-hmm. God, Bruce McGill. I mean, Jesus, you know, you look at it, it's like, oh, that is Bruce McGill. Holy shit. You know, I yeah. mean, it's, and, and again, you guys, you guys were so funny. And, and truly, you know, the careers since you, that you've all had have been wonderful careers. Yeah. You know, we were, um, it, it was, and it, they were all so nice. And Belushi was always great, too. You know, Good there to was hear. nothing New York. L.A. snobbery was very gracious, especially to me, who had never done a comedy before and very supportive and helpful. And um, and I never forgot it and would go visit him in New York and got to be very close to him. Then I did 1941 with him. And and by then, I think his career had taken its toll because he was a Blues Brothers and the movie had come out and he had record hits and movie hits and, you know. Um, and SNL and, you know, it just was too much. It, everybody wanted to party with him. And I think, you know, it, it just caught up with him and, and it ultimately it, it took his life. Yeah. Great, it, true, true tragedy. Absolutely. Many Chicago guys. So certainly we, uh, yeah. we feel it even more, uh, here in Chicago and stuff. Oh. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned 1941 because I'm one of the lovers of 1941. <laughs> I saw it in the theater. I, th- I mean, and I'll even say, Hey, it, it doesn't come together. But the individual parts of the movie, you and uh, and and Nancy Allen, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, because yeah, your story was hilarious. Every story individually really was funny, but and yeah. it has great great moments. Eddie Deason is on the Ferris wheel with uh, the mayor from Jaws. I forget that character actor's name. I mean, that's Murray, the thing. Go Murray ahead. Hamilton. Murray Hamilton, yes, and of course in uh, Anatomy of a Murder. I'm a big fan of that. Um, right. But yeah, I mean that's the thing. So many great actors. Robert Stack is hilarious. Oh my god! And, and just being the straight man and the general, that's just like my god, what's happening all around us? But it's, when I covered that part. They said, okay, here's the here's this and here's the billing alphabetical. You will fall between Christopher Lee and and Toshiro Mifune. <laughs> I said, done. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Thank <laughs> you very much. And I used I tagged around, followed Toshiro around for weeks just wow. to watch him, you know, um, he didn't speak any English hardly. And, and, uh, but he was like, you no, know, he's one of the greatest actors who ever lived. The oh, greatest yeah. Japanese actor, certainly. And, and Absolutely. just what an amazing career with working with Kurosawa so many times. It's so wonderful. And, and God, you know, um, so I, you know, again, was in the right place at the right time. I just hung out and watched these guys. Un- unbelievable movie. Slim Pickens hilarious in that movie. Slim Pickens. <laughs> That's yeah. why, man, truly, because it's, I remember everyone, oh, what a terrible movie and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, man. I was Warren a teenager. Oates. I was laughing. Warren Oates. Mickey yes. Rourke. Mickey. Mickey Rourke. I didn't know had, Mickey Rourke's in it. What, what's he doing in the movie? He was one of the Tank Squad guys. He's got three oh. lines, you know. <laughs> Mickey Rourke, God bless him. He was, couldn't have been nicer and wow. more vicious and, 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 sweet to me and i'd run into him on this you know before he hit big and it was like hi tim hey remember me i was in 1940 yeah mickey great good once he became mickey rourke i remember going up to him one time he said mickey hi I, you know it's tim matheson he goes ah wh- what who what ah. 
but it was a, it was a dis- it was a tough time in his life too. So we'll give him that one. But all right, you know. man. You know, I I actually worked in sports radio for a long time, and I had him on when he was uh, doing uh, his fight uh, boxing career. Oh so, my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was pretty crazy, and we had to literally keep our uh, our hand on the uh, on the delay because he he dropped f bombs every other sentence. And I still we got through the interview; it was okay. But yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite sports radio interviews, absolutely. I'll yeah. bet. No, he's a great actor and a wonderful character, and uh, I'd love to see him again sometime. And that's catch cool. up. Now you mentioned founding, help found the Groundlings, and you know I just heard Lorraine Newman on Chris Hardwick's podcast, and she mentioned oh, yeah. that you were part of that group, and that was like, oh my god, that's awesome, good timing. I, I got to ask him about founding the Groundlings, and as I understand it, another guy in the uh, group, Jack Sue, from Barney Miller. Yeah, I think yes, Jack was there. I mean, I was there only for like six months, and and found founding is probably a stretch i mean okay. i was in the original group that gary austin and tom maxwell and a bunch of these archie Hahn and um liberty williams and uh, you know uh, a bunch of the real groundlings were i i jumped in and i was there probably for six months and then i started working and got hauled away out of okay. town so that's when i left and, and but i was there the day we chose the name the groundlings I think we went up to Big Bear for a uh, a weekend of theater games and skiing and you know uh, sledding or whatever and, uh, and probably had a little something to drink too, but um, <laughs> it it was a great group and it it allowed me to have a a you know a structure and a framework to improv which I thought was you just get up there and try and be funny but it's no it's you know it's a very meticulous craft and the people who are good at it make it look like it's just happening automatically and that's great but it's a very very you know uh, structured um organized kind of theater game that you play with all your partners there and um it, it really taught me a lot and, and, and it opened up a whole new career for me which i wasn't even aware of how to do that well and that's that's the great thing i'm really glad that you've been getting more comedic opportunities since Animal House and you're, you're learning at Groundlings and everything. Tell me um, also about, I, I read this on your uh, on your Wikipedia page and I wasn't sure, although it seems like you've always been associated with National Lampoon. Uh, for a time, did you own the magazine? We, uh, you know, yes. Um, uh, I led a, a hostile takeover of the Lampoon. It had fallen on hard times. They were bleeding money. And I put together a consortium of people who invested money, and we purchased stock, and and we approached Maddie Simmons, mm-hmm. and you know bought him out, and um, and then uh, it was during the you know the Mike Milken Michael Milken times where their uh, LBOs and and you know people were raising money and junk bonds was the phrase back then. Am I correct? Exactly, exactly, John, and and so. But the person we had, we and, and so we did get, you know, we wanted to take, uh, we wanted to get a staff of writers like, like they have on SNL. We wanted to get the magazine revitalized yeah. and uh, start making movies and TV. But what happened was our investors, the, the money, the people who were the money people went over to, you know, Marvin Davis, who could make, make them more in a week than we could make them on our deal. And they dumped us. So it was me and my partner were left trying to put together, patch together a deal. We finally did, but it it didn't get us where we wanted to go. And it was it was one of the saddest times in my life because we couldn't do what we wanted to do with the Lampoon. And uh, and ultimately it never happened for the Lampoon. Now they, you know, they sort of limp along. But 
it's not it's not what it was when we wanted to tr- turn it back into what was when Doug was there, but um, yeah, man, we're not able to. Understood. No, I, I I really look back at those you know formative years, and I saw the wonderful documentary that was made about the Lampoon's yeah. history and everything, and. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's again it's one of those cornerstones of American comedy and and that very fertile period when the Lampoon SNL and all these things were starting to happen and and really you know make, push comedy forward. You know? Oh God, yeah, it was it was such cutting edge stuff and uh, I mean Animal House was the first R rated comedy, you know. I yes. Mean, and so it was like, can you do that? Can you get the people <laughs> come and see that? Oh my God! And you know there it, it was the right place at the right time. And we just, you know, wanted to, you know, and Christmas vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas vacation, mm-hmm. um, and vacation were, you know, were, were two of the great ones too. And then Doug on his own went off and wrote Caddyshack and that was his last movie. Yeah. Um, and when he, you know, had an accident and we lost him. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was this bright, bright thing that was burning and then it was just gone. I mean, now we, you know, we've got, uh, Comedy Central, and you've got, you know, Will. Um, um, oh yeah, Funny or Die. Funny or Die. Yeah, you've Will got, Ferrell and Adam McKay and Happy I, Island. You know. Yeah, you got you got so much comedy and Judd Apatow and and, yes. and all that that's going on. You know, Adam Sandler came out of SNL and all that, but mm-hmm. uh, and you know, and bless his heart, Chris Farley. Sure. So yeah, it it, it was just something that we tried to do and wanted to do and, and, and to keep the magazine going, which unfortunately didn't happen. Understood. Um, some other things, you know, I got, I'm going to reach back for a, a movie, a seventies movie of yours that I love because I'm a big bowling fan. Dreamer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see you laughing. <laughs> well, you know, it's the only movie in which a character Jack Warden played bowled himself to death. Um, and, um, so it has that distinction. Um, I was, I was a big, you know, I was, who, what did I know? I, you know, I said I was a big fan of a movie called uh, A Sporting Life, which Richard Harris starred yes, in. Of, absolutely. Movie about sports and, you know, is English and just an indie indie movie. Yeah. And, and I kept telling the director, that's the kind of movie I think this should be, right? It's going to be edgy like that. And he goes, oh, yeah. Oh, right. Sure. And yeah, come on board, you know, and it was, unfortunately, it was not, you know, it was fun. It was a fun little movie. It wasn't um, quite what, what I had hoped it would be. I can appreciate that. And yeah, I don't, <laughs> again, it's like, not the most cinematic thing, except for the Coen brothers. So, <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, and Pete Weber as the Apollo Creed of the uh, dream, if you make the Rocky analogy and everything, and one of the nicest bowlers in the world, he's got to be the bad guy bowler. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Come on. Oh, Hilarious. Um, well, let's move on because I, uh, man, I want to get you to the president stuff. I, You know, you're, you're doing some TV directing now, and, and that, it, would you say it's half and half as far as directing as well as acting? Well, you know... Uh, I, th- I think what happened to me is that, you know, at various points in your life, you're either busy or not busy as an actor. Mm-hmm. And I had all, I produced movies. And, um, so back in, I guess the mid to late eighties, I produced some movies and I, I directed an episode of St. Elsewhere and started getting into that. And then I started directing television movies. Um, and it was always, I always wanted to be the adult a bit. You know, actors were treated like children. Just, oh, put the outfit on and just wait in your trailer and we'll send some food over and then say the lines and hit the marks and, you know, uh, don't go crazy on us and everything will be fine, you know. 
and um, and they pay you a lot of money, so it's great. And and I just kind of wanted to be involved more in the creative choices that are made, picking the sets and picking the actors and working on the scripts. So that's when I started doing it, and it's um, it's so much fun. And and I spent a good 15, 20 years doing it, um, and um, and still do, and and love greatly because I like you know. I discovered early on that I, when I do, a, a, say, a movie or, or a TV show or something, and I felt, well, wow, I really got that character, and I really was into it, and it was really good, and then I'd go see it, and sometimes it was really good, and then sometimes it was flat or not that good, and times when I wasn't really into the character of that part that much, I'd go and see it, and it would also it would look even better than the movies that I felt good about, and I realized it's the director that's doing all that. Um, they put the camera in the right place. They just tweak it. They cut it. They drop this scene. They switch that around. They play the the outtake. They whatever. And so that's when I realized I want to do that for the actors. I want to be that you know champion and coach for them. That's what I want to. I want to be. I want to make sure the camera's in the right place for them. Tell them to give me one that's slower and, and more serious. Give me one that's faster and funnier. That way we'll have a choice. We'll have a, you know, I can, you know, and or whatever. But I'm there for the actors to to, to support and help them. And there for the, the writer to make sure that their story gets told, you know. So it's it's real fun. And, and um, it, it's, it's, it's a real creative challenge. And it's um, it, it's so much fun. I just love it. Well, among the shows that recently you've been doing is uh, Lucifer on Fox. Yes. And uh, our buddy Joe Henderson, the showrunner on that. And I'm really glad that show found its audience because that's a I – don't, I don't even know. You know, are you, a, are you a comic book at all reader? Were you a comic book reader as a young man or – Yeah, I was a DC guy I'm, and, and um, you know, Superman, Batman guy. And, and uh, so – yeah, and I loved it, and I loved I, I loved the, the 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 mischievous quality of Lucifer and how much fun it is, and and it, you know it's a show that it's a cop show that doesn't take itself too seriously, and it has yeah. some light moments and banter, and it's she's sexy, it's sexy, oh yeah, and it's um you know and it's very well written, and uh, and they just they have a good time. It's it's so entertaining to watch. That's excellent, man. No, and and truly it is. It's it's a very original show, and and it does it takes the cop uh you know um procedural and, and really kind of turns it on its ear and gets to have fun and also you came uh you were also part of that whole usa wave of i yeah. think really fun shows and burn notice you know and uh, you played larry sizemore on several episodes and uh yeah man i a great a great character and and of clearly a lot of fun uh must have been fun to play because it was certainly fun to watch oh god yeah i mean what you know? What happened was I had I had been doing stuff like Cold Case and Without a Trace and mm-hmm. um, Criminal Minds and all these heavy dramas and, <laughs> and murder and you know you're constantly as a director saying more blood, more blood, stick the dead bodies over there, and it just at some point it got a little depressing. Sure. And so I said I just want to focus on comedy. So I sort of headed over to USA and worked on Psych and mm-hmm. and. Their shows, and I love doing Psych. It was crazy. James Roday and, and Dulé Hill, my old friend from the West Wing. Oh, yeah. And then I, I go over to Burn Notice, and, and I, the first season I picked up a good script, and, and that's really key for a director is you've got to get lucky uh, because if, 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 <laughs> if a good script works, it's the writer who 
you know, who wrote wrote it, and that's why it's good. But if 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 you get a bad script and it doesn't work, it's not a good show. It's the director's fault. So that's when you when you're a guest director on a show, that's what happens to you. Okay. So fortunately, on Burn Notice, I picked up a good script. So I came back the next year. They wanted me to do another episode, and they had a casting issue. They they didn't know who to, they wanted to play this part of Larry Sizemore, Dead Larry, as he was called, and. I they kept saying Tim, you got to do this. And I said, nah, you know, uh, listen. I, the first basically big episode I've done for you guys. I'd rather focus on the directing. And they said, no, 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 no. You you should do this. And, and I finally agreed. Mm-hmm. And and then I you know, like just the night before I went to the set to do it, it was like, oh boy, I could end two careers with this one show. I could end <laughs> an acting and a directing career on this one network right tomorrow. <laughs> but fortunately, with Jeffrey Donovan and, and Bruce Campbell. Uh, in all the scenes I was in, it was like, you know, they're my buddies. And, you know, if, if we, I, you know, after a take, I'd look at them and say, what do you think? And they said, ah, do it again. Let's try this. And you know, they would help direct. And they were both directors and, and wonderful actors. So it was just a dream come true. And, and I think I played that character in five different episodes and they blew me up. But, uh, and then they brought him back after he was dead because he was in the finale because <laughs> he was in his, in, in Jeffrey's dream. Yep. So, um, you know, it was, it was the character, Dead Larry, you couldn't kill him. And, uh, and, you know, and then I did the, you know, the pilot for Covert Affairs and I worked with Joe Henderson, uh, on White Collar. And, uh-huh. um, so it, it, there were so many different things I did and, 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 uh, continue to do as a director that, that are challenging and very rewarding as well. Well, I want to, I want to talk about the West Wing because, um, you know, that was a great character arc. And as I understand, about 20 episodes of the West Wing you did and as the vice president, the first vice president, John Hoynes. And, yeah, sounds right. And, man, uh, it's interesting because, you know, you, you have in, in your story, it's, I guess because it's been, you know, over 12 years, we can call spoilers now and talk about <laughs> it. The, <laughs> the, uh, the sex scandal that brings uh, the character down. It's really interesting to watch it now. I, I watched it to prepare to talk to you today. Uh- and... Uh, I can't help but think about the reality that we're all living in right now and the level of scandal that we're living in. And truly, you played it well and you played it quite, you know, dignified of, no, I've got to resign. And, you know, I mean, uh, Martin Sheen and uh, John Spencer are trying to convince your character, no, 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 stay, stay. You're a good man. We need you. And it's like, no, no, no. It's it's important for the country and everything. And you, you wonder where that integrity is now. And unfortunately, it... it it feels fictional now, unfortunately, with the, the, the current surroundings that I think we're dealing with. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you think about it and, and think back to what you did with that role and what's going on now. Oh, yeah. There's, there's very little integrity or, or honor <laughs> yeah. in that White House right now. But I think you know, the country will survive, and, yeah. uh, we hope. And, and uh, I think that it's a blip on the screen. you know. Um, yeah, but, hopefully. Yeah, and there's tremendous. I mean, it just seems concurrent with this anomaly of a presidency that we now have such a resurgence of of attention to the West Wing. I, it's amazing to me. I mean, it's like video sales or DVD sales are huge, and every, people come up to me again on the streets. Yeah, oh my God, John Wayne's. Oh my God, we love the West Wing. And 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 um, but what's so funny is like they say you're such a bad guy, and I'm going like. I don't play a bad guy. It's like, you know, I mean, an actor never plays a bad guy. Understood. But the, the better the villain, the better the piece. And, you know, and he certainly was sort of a nemesis to the white house. It was a bit 
disappointing I never got to to be in their good graces, you know. Um, and uh, but it was it was fun. And you know what happened the last year was Tommy Schlamy and Aaron Sorkin uh, saw a parting of the ways with NBC. I think they were trying to save money and. Aaron and Tommy wanted to go off and do other things or whatever happened, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, but I got a call from both of them one day I was sitting at home and they said, Hey Tim, we're going to have you in an episode. Um, but there's good news and bad news. And I said, what's, what's the bad news? Well, the bad news is it's the end of the season and Tommy and Aaron were both leaving the show and so are you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Oh, Okay. And they said, yeah, you're going to have a sex scandal and then you're going to resign. And because we need to get John Goodman, I think, in as a the, the speaker. speaker of the house. So yeah. because, the, you know, you're the vice president, you're gone. Then he's the third in line. So we need we want to have that as the cliffhanger and we want to leave that as our sort of legacy. And then they can take it from where they want to take it next year. And I thought, okay, great, you know. And 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 I must say that the show I I directed an episode later on. They kept asking me to direct. Oh, that's awesome! You know, I think during my tenure there and and even after, um, but I could never fit it in. And the final year, I actually two episodes before the end one, or the last second to the last episode that um, uh, was uh, was the one I directed, and it was it was. It was a different show, you know. With God, God bless him, Jimmy Smith and and uh, Alan Alda were great, you know. I mean, God, Alan Alda is, you know, is a legend. Yeah. He's, you know, a national treasure. Um, but it wasn't the West Wing I knew, you know, okay. and it wasn't the West Wing that that I loved because those first four years, I mean, were just it was magic. It was just magic. I hear you, man. And no, you had an incredible character arc, yeah. and that's the thing. And, and also. Well, that's uh, really the great thing about that show was it really did show you everybody behind the scenes that works in the White House. And really, I think it was very sympathetic to the role in general of a vice president. And the oh, yeah. idea that this isn't the part of he isn't he's never part of the team that is put together to put somebody in the White House. It's always we select you. So like I think in your case, weren't you from Texas or something like that? And, and yeah, so we need this state. So we're going yep. to pick this vice president, and then we got to find things for them to do. And even in those scenes with Martin Sheen, when uh, you know he's trying to get you to uh, get your character to, you know, approve a, an anti-gun bill in Texas, and you're like, "Hey, man, that's I'm com- I'm committing political suicide." And and it's this great thing of yeah, but you know that's your job. You're here yeah. to serve the president. And those kind of things, and of course, uh, your character's alcoholism, and you and, and John Spencer uh, have great scenes dealing with Leo's uh, alcoholism as well. So that's the thing. I Really, a great, complicated character that at times you really rooted for, and that other times you're like, oh, you asshole. And that's that's got to be great to play. It was great. I mean, it was uh, always so exciting to open an Aaron Sorkin script and see what he was, com- he was cooking up and, and who you get to have scenes with i mean the people brad whitford and and um allison janney and and john spencer martin you know martin uh martin um, sheen of course thank you um yeah it was just it was astonishing even matthew perry in that in that one episode where he kind of nails you on the sex scandal and stuff. I mean, that's the yeah. thing, man. There's some heavyweight acting going on over there. All of you guys just like really playing, you know, this incredible uh, material and everything. And, it, and and as you say, I'm glad to hear that more people still love it and, and keep 
talking about it because it is it's 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 one of those one of a kind shows that only come around every few years. Well, it's you know it was sort of a Camelot like White House totally. uh, during years, and it's it's it also it, it was that magical place where the right people are in the right job at the right time for the right reasons doing good for the country. Yep. And, um, you know, it's not quite that way now, I think, but, uh, hopefully someday soon. Yeah. Great, man. No, I'm with you. Um, I, I, before I wanted to know also uh, some things about TV versus film today, but, uh, going back, cause I didn't, we briefly mentioned, uh, Mel Brooks uh, to be or not to be and the remake, the Lubitsch remake and everything. First of all, Man, Brooks has guts because Ernest Lubitsch, I mean, he's a Hollywood master, and that's one of those perfect movies. It's Jack Benny's greatest movie. I yeah, mean, you know, he, you know so subtle. Yeah. And and then so to, to you know, bring it back in the 80s as they did and, you know, uh, yourself and, and uh, Brooks and uh, and now uh, and Bancroft, of course. I mean, a great cast, but a tough, a tough assignment, man, trying to recapture that magic. It was tough. I mean, it was great. You know, we all had a ball. I mean, it was great fun working with, especially with Anne Bancroft, who was just a treasure. I mean, one of the sweetest, most natural talents you'd ever want to be around. It just couldn't have been nicer. And um, and Mel's wife, you know, and, yeah. and an Oscar winner and just, yeah. you know, and, and Charlie Durning and Jose Ferrer yeah. and... Yes. and <laughs> uh, Estelle uh, Reiner, Carl's wife, yes, uh, and just just this tremendous group of people, and uh, doing a period film. I mean, I got to sleep in in a scene with Mel Brooks. I mean, I you know I <laughs> I, 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 I had a love scene with Mel Brooks, um, but thinking it was his wife. But um, you know, it was it was just a, it was a great com- chance to work with with such amazing people. The film probably was not completely successful it was you know and it's tough to do a film a remake of an Ernst Lubitsch movie I think yeah, you know, like eesh, this guy had you know just he was one of the the masters of light comedy um so so it, it you know and it was a period film too and it's it's you know maybe the audience was a little a little over their heads I think maybe I don't know well I again Jose Ferrer and Charles Durning I mean you're surrounded by really amazing people, and it's by Brooks himself. My God, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. He's he's a genius. Uh, you know, and you no, know, there's not there's no fart scenes in it, so it's not like that's, Blazing Saddles. So it's, and that's it's, true. So maybe could have used a fart scene. I don't know. Good point. Now I wonder as as you're making these things like Killing Reagan, um, that was made and and National Geographic ran it. Um, and and just where TV is now and where film is, and both as an actor and as a director, um, it seems like obviously now television, because of the limited series, is the place where you can really tell the longer character arcs and the more complex stories. And it isn't, isn't it interesting because I think forever, especially when television was in its half hour and even hour format, movies were kind of the more superior narrative. It seemed, and again, I, these are my observations. But I wonder what you think now with uh, not only the limited series, but also the opportunities at Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and and the original programming that they're creating. Where everything is, I know Jodie Foster was complaining that you know uh, the kind of movies that she made that made her career, you can't make anymore. And my my point of view was, well, those things are being made, but really, if anything, go for the six hour limited series versus 
the two-hour movie. And I just wondered what you thought about all that. I think you're absolutely right, John. I think that's exactly what's happening. And, and you get movie stars like Nicole Kidman and uh, you know, and, and those ladies on Big Little Lies. Yes. Um, Shalene Woodley and, 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 and that cast. You get that on TV for six, eight hours or ten hours, whatever they did. And, mm-hmm. and it, it allows a, the full breadth of the story. Sometimes, you know, I mean, they don't you're not going to do Bridge on the River Kwai or Lawrence of Arabia with an intermission. You're not going to, <laughs> you're not going to make a three and a half hour movie anymore, you know, cause people just, they don't have time. So they want to binge watch it some weekend and they never get out of bed or, you know, we want to watch it. People are watching it on their, their, their phones. Sure. I think now that with the more diversity of, of media uh, um, availability that, that I think television or what you want to call it computers or, or people with giant screens in their home are watching it. I think that's sort of taken the place. Movies now are these big extravaganza Marvel movies or just big events, Jim Cameron, you know, avatar that you want to go see on a giant screen and you want to see with, a you know, and some comedies too, I think, because it's, there's some, communal experience about being in a room full of people laughing. Mm-hmm. So I think there's that, but there's not a, you know, a lot of the independent, little independent movie type things aren't getting made. And then and they're better told on television. You're absolutely right. And some of the series are doing it because you're not locked into, you know, you can do 10 or 12 episodes and you can tell it the story over three or four seasons and then give the actors half a year off to go and do other things or, yeah. Uh, you know, experiment or do theater or whatever. So there, there's a tremendous latitude now um, that there wasn't before. It was always slumming to do television when I was growing up. And, and now um, people bounce back and forth and do it all the time. Look at Dwayne Johnson. I mean, he's doing a series on HBO and he's doing, you know, a, a movie Jumanji and now yes. he's doing the you know, Rampage. And um, so it doesn't have any effect on him whatsoever. I understand you were in the latest Jumanji. I'm sorry, I haven't seen it yet. Speaking of Jumanji, oh, yeah, I did a cameo uh, just um, you know for Jake Kasdan, who's an, a friend of mine and uh, cool. director, and um, so um, he asked uh, some friends to to do just you know a little cameos, and it was a fun thing. And I, you know, I, it was a fun movie, and he's a wonderful director. Yeah, didn't he do the Ryan O'Neill movie? Was it Zero Effect? Was yeah. that Jake? Yeah, yeah. I th- no, I, I I've been a fan of his since then, absolutely, and it's certainly oh, yeah. his, his dad, of course. Uh, Larry's a hell of a not writer bad. and filmmaker. Yeah, exactly. Not bad. <laughs> so, are there? And I know um, as we wrap up, um, I see that on your IMD page, you've got uh, IMDb page, you've got a couple things coming up as far as movie wise uh, this year. I see a, like a political thriller of some sort. Um, not sure. Hold on, I'm gonna. Look at it now. As it I'm scrolling, Saloons, which is a, a little indie movie um, uh, about a heroin addict, um, okay, and, and how it affects a family. This and then the, one writer director. And what was the other one you were talking about? The Estrusion or Estruskin uh, Smile? Oh, yes, Etruscan Smile. Etruscan Smile. Excuse me, Brian Cox. Yeah, it's you know, it's uh, I, I, I played a doctor in it. Uh, who had some scenes with Brian and, and, um, it was, um, yeah, it's a sweet little movie about a, a father who's alienated from his, his, his children and gets back together with his daughter and, and the grandchild. 
And uh, just it's a sweet family movie, and it's it's lovely, and it should be coming out soon. And then the Good Fight. I see that you did a few episodes of the Good Fight, correct? The uh, CBS oh. All Access show. Yeah, I get to I get to bed down with Christine Baranski and and, uh, <laughs> and and trade fire with her. And I yeah, I'm going back um, this this weekend. Actually, I'll be next week. I'll be in New York to do another episode. That's outstanding, man. Very, very yeah. cool. And now, do you want, are there any, um, as you said, you've produced films in the in the past and directed. Are there any projects? Because you seem like you can probably write something if there's an idea burning or something that you want to make yourself. Oh, no. I'm not Joe Henderson. I'm not a writer. So uh, <laughs> it, you don't want me to write. Uh, okay. But uh, it's, it's such a skill and such a rarefied singular skill that uh, I'll leave that to the pros. Um, but... Uh, no, I, I, you know, I work with writers and I have some projects that I'm developing and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, I've never, you know, lost my love of that process and, and it's something that, uh, but again, you know, it's where do you, where do you take it? There's not that many movies being made anymore that, uh, you know, are indie style movies. And, um, so, but you know, it's just a question of that, but I, I do, I love finding material and, um, and, you know, turning it into a screenplay and then, and then casting it, shooting it and, and creating a vision that you've imagined in, you know, and then bringing it to, to fruition. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you're, uh, finding new projects, both to direct and act in and, uh, keep it up. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad. And, and thank you so much for spending time with us today. Um, thank you, John. It was great fun. Absolutely, man. No, and if if you have a new project you ever want to promote, you're always welcome back. And I'd love to talk more about uh, some of the great things you've done in the past. Thank you, Tim Matheson. Thank you. Thank you, John. So much fun having that conversation with Tim Matheson. I uh, thank my buddy Joe Henderson for helping me set it up and the uh, gracious attitude and uh, fun that uh, Tim brought to today's Word Balloon. I hope you enjoyed it. It was all brought to you again by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Again, thank you, League, for your continued support. If you'd like to help the cause, you can go to wordballoon.com, click on the Patreon ad if you'd like to subscribe to Word Balloon, or go to patreon.com slash wordballoon. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where you can get great runs. And uh, Tim uh, revealed he's a DC fan. Uh, how about Hawkman by Jeff Johns, trade paperback uh, volume two? Jeff did a lot of house cleaning with Hawkman and, and kind of... Uh, sorted out all the different uh, iterations of Hawkman's origins that uh, have happened since the Silver Age. Golden Age Hawkman, pretty well taken care of in the 1940s. And uh, things were fine in the 60s, but I think from the uh, 70s and 80s, we got uh, different ideas. Tim Truman and Hawkworld, for example, things like that, Uh, and certainly in the 90s and in the early 2000s. But then Jeff Johns came around uh, with help from people like um, James Robinson and Dave Goyer, as far as the writing goes, and uh, artists like uh, Rags Morales uh, helping him out on this incredible Hawkman run. This collects Hawkman number 15 through 25 and a great story from uh, JSA 56 through 58. Uh, this volume is 344 pages. It's 42% off, $17.39. You can also get Gene Gray, Volume 2, Final Fight. Our buddy Dennis Hopeless with Alberto Albuquerque doing the art chores. Uh, A great series uh, featuring uh, the young uh, X-Men and uh, at her best, uh, a psych war, the Phoenix Force coming. Uh, This one is 42% off, $9.27. You can also get the DC Universe by Brian K. Vaughn. Man, remember when Brian was uh, writing things for DC? Well, this is a great collection. It features... um, Titans 14, 
Sins of Youth, Wonder Girls, number one, JLA Annual, number four, Green Lantern, Circle of Fire, issues one and two, uh, Green Lantern, The Atom, uh, a great team-up, and a story from Young Justice, number 22. 248 pages of Brian K. Vaughn goodness, all collected in one volume, 42% off, $11.59. You can also get Justice League Rebirth. This is Brian Hitch's run. Uh, this is volume two, and it was a great run. Uh, he did the writing chores and the art chores. Also, uh, Fernando Pazarin uh, helping him out on the art chores as well. This is 42% off, $20.29. Some of the great books available now at InStockTrades.com. Don't take my word for it. Do yourself a favor. Go there. You'll find great books at great prices. If you make orders of $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping from our friends at InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to today's Word Balloon. we got more great stuff coming up. Man, just exciting conversations that I've lined up. Cannot wait to share it with you in the days and weeks ahead. Until next time, thanks for listening. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2018.